to Georgia Realtors Realcast. I'm your host, Maura Neal. I hope you're all doing well, staying healthy and safe during these unprecedented times of COVID-19, self-quarantine, shelter in place, and all that we have going on in our world right now. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be bringing you a series of episodes to help you to continue to run your real estate business in a safe and socially responsible way, while also keeping an eye on what you should be doing for the future. Our first guest on the topic earlier this week was Bobby Howe, talking about best practices under shelter-in-place ordinances. Today's guest is Shay Hada, a successful realtor and real estate speaker from Chicago, Illinois, talking about ways to remain essential in our clients' minds and how to reach out and touch our clients, virtually of course, when we can't get together in person. I'm so excited to welcome Shay to the podcast. Hi there, Shay. Welcome to GA Realcast, and thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here today. Well, as you know, this is the Georgia Realtors Realcast, and we are doing some special editions for April because, of course, we are in the midst of this pandemic. We're in the midst of COVID-19 and the shelter in place, and it's all a little confusing, and most of us are being responsible and staying home. So I thought that you would be the perfect person to talk with me about taking care of our clients in times of crisis and after. Absolutely. I'd be definitely happy to share with you what I'm doing. Great. Well, you and I have had this conversation on on a previous meeting with uh, the Realtor.com community, and that's when it struck me that we could have this conversation and put a little bit of a new twist on it today. And I'm so excited for our members to get to hear a little bit of your story, what you're doing, what you normally do for your clients to keep in touch and to stay top of mind, and how you're translating that into this very unique time that we find ourselves in. So I think it would be appropriate for you to share, for anyone who may not know you, a little bit about your story. It's, it's a bit unique. You left your previous career to move to a new city, and then the kind of fairy tale version is poof. You started this successful real estate business, <laughs> and I know it's not quite as simple as it sounds, so tell me a little bit about how you were able to build a successful real estate career as a brand new agent in a brand new city and what that looked like for you. Boy, I wish it were that easy and I could just go poof and have a successful business. <laughs> That'd be super lovely. Um, so the reality is um, my husband took a job in Chicago. We were living in the Twin Cities. Uh, and we were ready for a change. So we moved here. I had owned a uh, brick and mortar art business for kids, which I was lucky enough to sell to some foreign investors when we moved to Chicago. And we got here, my husband started his job and I really didn't know what I was going to do with my time. So I took, you know, six months off just to kind of be and, and, you know, worked on Pinterest crafts that I was horrible at. Uh, and so, you know, my, I remember my husband came home one day and he's like, I don't care what you do, but you need to get a job and get out of the house. Like you've been in sweatpants for six months without taking a shower and these Pinterest crafts <laughs> awful. Um, he's like, please just any job, please get a job. And my husband had been in real estate at that point for like 25 years or something. And so, you know, he was really the one who suggested getting my real estate license. We had been together at that point for maybe 10, 10 years or so. And so I had seen him grow a real estate business in the Twin Cities, but I didn't, I had never done that for myself. So 
I decided I thought it would be a good fit. I would get my real estate license and give it a try. Why not? I thought I would do it part time, but I should have known myself better than that. I'm a workaholic. So I, you know, jumped in with both feet and it was really hard in the beginning because I was in a brand new city where I didn't know a single person. I literally didn't know anybody other than my husband. We had only been here a couple of days before we moved to find a place to live. So I didn't know any of the streets. I didn't know anything about real estate. I didn't know how to get to Target without crying because there was so much traffic, which I wasn't used to. So I really started from scratch. And I spent that first year building business systems because what I did know was that if you treat your business like a business and you build those systems from the beginning, you'll be ready when business comes. And that was really my philosophy. So I spent that first year just building systems um, with the idea that I just needed to get belly to belly in front of people because if I could get in front of people, they would like me and want to work with me was my hope. Uh, and so that first year I did one deal for 131000 That was it. Uh, I did a lot of rentals just to start to get my feet wet. My second year in business, I did $7 million. My third year in business, I did $30 million, and it's grown from there. But it was very strategic um, in terms of how to build a business. I, I love that you talk about uh, being in a brand new city where you don't know the streets and feeling like you knew no one but your husband, because I sort of feel like that's a bit of a metaphor for what we're experiencing right now. We're stuck in our homes and in a lot of cases, a, a lot of Georgia, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, but a lot of Georgia is finding ourselves on a daily basis. They're adding municipalities and counties to the shelter in place orders. And all of those orders read differently from the Atlanta mayor's executive order to these county commission proclamations. But I feel like that's a metaphor for we know no one but our spouse or the person we live with. If we're lucky enough to, well, I guess lucky or unlucky enough to be stuck in a house with someone. If you are single, it's like moving to a city where you know no one because you may be stuck in your home alone. And you feel a little bit like this is not business as usual. This is a new, I don't even like to call it a new normal. It's a new abnormal, but I feel like we're all sort of starting from scratch and trying to figure it out. So, um, when you look at the way that you started putting some of those systems together and you were really starting from scratch, what were some of your first steps? What were you thinking through? What was your thought process? Absolutely. So I do think it is very similar to now. And, you know, my philosophy, you know, I, I've been in, unfortunately, I've never been in a pandemic, you know, but I, I lived through 9-11. I was in New York when that happened. I was, you know, downtown. I lost friends in the towers. Like, you know, I was there when the plane went down on the, uh, the river in New York. Like I've been in a lot of weird situations in my life. Um, I tend to attract a lot of like trouble. Um, and so, um, you know, so my feeling has always been you focus on what you can control in those situations. And I cannot control the outside world. None of us can in this situation. But what we can do is really focus on what we can do right now um, and, and really put all of our time and attention into that. And that was really my philosophy when I started the business. I couldn't necessarily control not having a sphere and not knowing anybody. But what I could focus on was building a website. That was as silly as that sounds. That was the very first thing I did because I remembered my husband telling me that two in three people research you extensively before they decide to use you as your realtor. And so my feeling was if they couldn't find me online and if I didn't know, if I didn't look like I knew what I was doing, why would anyone choose to use me? And so, 
you know, I got a Playster website, which is now an NAR member benefit. I think it's $99 a month now. And I spent a lot of time building that website out. I filled it with a lot of local content because that's the other thing. If people want to work with people who are hyper local and experts in their particular subdivision. You know I mean? That's how small they want to get down. They want the person in their subdivision, their neighborhood, right? So I really focused on filling this website with local content. So um, steps to buy. I wrote out basically 31 steps on the buy side, everything from hiring your realtor all the way through closing and exactly what happens at every step of the transaction. And I built that whole system before I'd even done a transaction. Part of it for me was figuring out how does a transaction work and recognizing that, that people online are looking for good content, right? I can't compete with Zillow in terms of IDX feed and house search, and I don't want to compete with them on that. But what all of us realtors can do better than Zillow, truly a realtor.com, et cetera, is know our local markets and how real estate works in those markets. And so really, I sort of did a brain dump of these are all the steps on the buy side. These are all the steps on the sell side. Here's information about all my neighborhoods that I work. You know, And obviously, you have to be careful with fair housing and steering, but you can still give people a flavor of a neighborhood on a website, right? So I really looked at my website as People like me, people who are moving to Chicago and know nothing about the area whatsoever and want to buy or sell or rent, whatever you do in your market, what information does that person need? And I spent a year filling my, my, my website with that content. What is a foreclosure? Can you lowball a foreclosure? What's his estimate? Are they accurate? What's a short sale? Um, you know, different things like that. So think about all the frequently asked questions that you get that you have in your head. You need to get that information out of your head and on a website where people who are looking for that content can find it and read it. Because the other thing I realized watching my husband in real estate is that in general, real estate agents are very inefficient. We have the same conversation with clients 15 different times, you know, how many times have all of us been asked, what's his estimate and is it accurate, right? right? I got so tired of answering that question. I figured there had to be a better way. So I put all my thoughts on my website in a blog post. And now when a client asks me, what is this estimate? I say, I have a great article I'm going to send to you about that explains it. I send it to them in 30 seconds, I'm done. And I don't have to have a 15 minute conversation anymore. So, you know, I think really looking at where you are inefficient right now, you know, or not right now, because all of us can't really do anything, but <laughs> you know, in the past, you know, as of two weeks ago, three weeks ago, where were you losing efficiency? What conversations were you having more than once and brain dump those into a website? So, you know, that's really what I started with. And then from there, I realized that the other stat that my husband told me, which I found interesting was, I think it's like 80% of buyers and sellers would use their realtor again, but they can't remember their realtor's name. That's right. awful. <laughs> it's a terrible statistic, but it's a great one to keep in the back of your mind always. Totally. And the other thing he told me was every realtor is going to forget one client this year, and that is your opportunity to grow. And that really was a light bulb moment for me. And I thought, okay, if I can do a really great job of staying in contact with my sphere on a regular basis with helpful information to them, you know, don't send recipes. Like, you know, apologies to anybody who sends recipes, but like maybe before the internet, we needed your recipes, but we don't need them now. Like if I want to meet, you know, make beef stew or apple pie, like I just Google it, you know, I don't need your recipe. Right. So, 
you know, we are real estate experts. You should be sharing real estate related content with your sphere that helps them save money, helps them with homeownership, maintenance, things like that, right? So I really spent a lot of time researching CRMs. I started off with contactually. um, And then as my business grew, I recently switched to Realvolve a couple of years ago because I wanted a very robust post-transaction follow-up program. So I wanted to stay in contact with my clients at least monthly for 10 years after the transaction ended. Because if you look at the stats, people used to stay in their home five to seven years, and now they're staying in their home seven to 10 years. And so you need to be in contact with them for 10 years. Like when I go speak at conferences and stuff, I have a lot of, I had somebody recently who said to me, you know, well, I only stay in contact with my sphere for six months. And then if they don't respond to me after six months, I just figure they don't want to hear from me. And my thought as a mom and just a human being is I don't need you six months after I move into my house, right? Like I'm unpacking my boxes, I'm <laughs> getting more furniture. I'm trying to get my kids settled in school. Like the last thing I want to do is talk to my realtor. When I need you is several years from now, when I start to have questions about my roof needs to be replaced, I have a leak here, you know, my neighbor's house just sold for X. How much is my house worth? Like I don't have time six months after the transaction, right? I need you years later. So I think those are two things that people really should be working on now, building a website, getting a really good CRM and starting to fill it with content. You know, at the very least, start with a post-transaction follow-up program because that's where most realtors lose out on clients and lose business. So, you know, put together an automated drip campaign where you can stay in contact with them once a month after the transaction for 10 years. Because I know you and I were talking about this before this started. Whenever I kind of talk about these things, people say, well, I don't have time for that. I'm so busy working, you know, in my business and doing showings. Right now, you have a ton of time. Right. <laughs> you, know? you have a ton of time, and it is a gift, you know, in some ways. Like, I know this sucks for all of us, but you have to look at the positive. And the positive is this is a time you can put systems in place in your business that you don't have time to do otherwise, so that when this ends, you are ready to grow and you can handle that growth and you can do a good job with customer service. Absolutely. And, um, we were talking about this before we hit record and I love that you, that's the perfect segue because there are a lot of agents that you and I both encounter when we speak and we teach and when we travel around the country or maybe in our own backyard at a local association meeting or a state association meeting. And they say, I just don't have the time to reinvent my business, or I don't have the time to put these systems in place. So I love that you've identified some very initial steps. If you are sitting at home, you're sheltering in place. I know you're probably, if you're listening to this, um, you may also be juggling in addition to running your business, you're juggling perhaps homeschooling or um, dealing with being stuck in a house 24 hours a day with your spouse or your kids or whomever and any other challenges that you're dealing with. But you've given some very specific to-dos. You've uh, given people the I, the task of looking at their website, or if they don't have one, coming up with one. And Playster is a great option. We'll put a link to them in the show notes. You've given them the task of coming up with a post-closing plan that allows you to keep in touch for up to 10 years, which is a fantastic um, piece of, uh, of a to-do. And then you've looked at creating content, content that's going to be that's going to weather the storm. So not necessarily COVID-19 related content, right? Although that might be important to your sphere of influence right now, 
but we're talking about more content with longevity and shelf life, right? Yeah, I think I think now's a great time to do both. You know, I mean, we've already got that long, you know, content for 10 years. You know, we also have a buyer under contract workflow, you know, with an automated email that goes out for our buyers from the moment they go under contract through closing. That's like, okay, you know, this email goes out two days before the inspection to remind them the inspection. It tells them everything that's going to happen at the inspection. We have another email that goes out the day after the inspection that says they're going to get the inspection report. This is what they need to do, right? So really look at creating content both for, you know, your buyers and your sellers through every step of the transaction and then after closing. But I think that there's also a lot of value in creating COVID-19 specific content, right? And think about what kinds of questions do your clients have related to this pandemic that's going on right now? So, you know, this afternoon, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm going to interview on Zoom my mortgage lender and put it on my Facebook page and just ask, like, how is this affecting mortgages? Because I'm getting calls from clients being like, hey, should I refinance? Should I buy now instead of planning to buy next year because interest rates are so low? And I'm explaining to them that interest rates are like a tsunami right now. They are all over the place, up and down. And so it's really hard to figure out that timing. You know, We're also seeing appraisals that are taking two to three weeks. We're seeing drive-by appraisals now because of that. Just the other day, margin calls are being made on banks. Some banks are going to go out of business. So my team spent the entire day yesterday calling every mortgage originator we have 17 under contract deals right now calling each one to be like, are you guys going to be in business? Are you going to be able to close this loan? Because, you know, are you going to go out of business because of this? Right. You know, so I think those are all the things you should be talking about. So, you know, interview your mortgage lender, interview a, um, you know, we're doing title people to talk about how are they doing closings now? Cause now they're doing closings in the car, you know, like interview a financial planner, like anything that people have questions about, try to bring them that information. And zoom is a great tool for you to be able to interview those people, put it online. One of my coaching clients, her husband is, um, works in the ER. And so she interviewed him and put that on there in terms of like, what are you seeing? What's going on? You know, and that had a ton of views because people want information right now. They want actual facts. They don't want guesses. They don't want hyperbole. They want to hear from the experts what's actually happening. So start to feed that information to your sphere. Absolutely. And I, I want to absolutely reiterate that you are recommending that we go to the source. We go to the experts in those fields. So we are not hypothesizing as realtors on subject matter that's outside of the realm of our expertise, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I am not an expert on any of those things. All I'm going to do is interview them and ask them, what are they seeing? Like, you know, what's going on? I can talk about what's happening with my deals in terms of, you know, are showing still happening or appraisal still happening from what I'm seeing, but I'm not an expert on all that other stuff. So definitely find experts to interview on those things, you know, find the ER doctor that's your client, find the financial planner, you know, all those kinds of things. Right. And I think that is great advice that, that translates forward once once all of this is over and we come out on the other side, because the content that you're adding to your website for longevity and for shelf life, it should be content that, that runs the gamut of, you mentioned earlier, community information. So there's so many great people who are probably small business owners in your community that you can reach out to and, you know, interview or even just get them to answer, you know, five quick questions about their business There are people that can answer those mortgage questions and those title questions and those appraisal questions for you, both in a time of crisis like right now 
and later. So it never puts us in the position as a realtor to be giving advice outside of where we should be. And it allows us to stay, you know, within the code of ethics. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing, really keeping it relevant. Like I probably will interview my mortgage lender once a week going forward because the situation is shifting so dramatically, right? And then I can do regular interviews with him once this ends, just about, you know, what's, you know, once life goes back to normal, like what are the changes we're seeing then, right? So, you know, think about, you know, what content you can produce now that's for the current pandemic, but also that content that you can have later on, right? You know, and I think the other thing that, you know, we've really spent some time looking at is, you know, where else can we be more efficient? I know, you know, I had stolen this idea from Alice and Seth Daly um, about like their Google forms, their ready to buy form. They have a rate ready to sell form. So if you want to go to my website, shayhata.com, you can see our ready to buy form and ready to sell and ready to buy and sell, which I totally ripped off from them. Um, and they're great. You know, they are basically how we do buyer intake forms now and seller intake forms. So when a referral comes in, which we're obviously not getting a lot of right now, but when they do come in, I send them a link to that Google survey. I ask them to fill it out. And then we schedule a phone call or an in-person meeting once life goes back to normal, you know, in terms of, um, you know, helping them with their next real estate journey. So, you know, really look at the content that you're putting out, but also those systems that you can put in place to create efficiencies for when life gets back to normal. Absolutely. I love those forms. We as well, as you know, ripped them off from Seth and Alice with their permission, of course, but there's, there hasn't really been one thing that I can name that has helped us in efficiency working with new clients. That's better than those forms. Having something where you are asking all of the same questions to every buyer and every seller and everyone who's doing both. And you're getting the most information, you're almost asking them to do a brain dump about either their buyer preferences or their seller preferences. And it allows you to walk into that initial consultation with a lot more information and knowledge that you can use to help them. And it kind of makes you look like a hero. But really what you're doing ultimately is just improving your own efficiency. Absolutely. And I think it's really sets you apart from other realtors. You know, when somebody reaches out to me and they want to work with me, you know, immediately I'm sending them this survey, which is very different from how they're being treated by other realtors. I think it just really makes you look very professional. And what I have found is that allows me to ask them questions that may be very uncomfortable for me to ask them in person. You know, like on my sell side, you know, I ask, are you up to date on your mortgage payment? right? Like that's uncomfortable to ask people, you know, um, how much do you owe on your mortgage? You know, is anybody giving you gift money on the buy side to buy your next property? Do you have kids? Do you plan to have kids? You know, like that, those can be really tough questions to ask people, especially if, you know, they're having fertility issues or whatever. And so I have found that asking them in a survey takes away a lot of that uncomfortableness on both sides. And I find people are much more honest with their answers in a survey than they are in person. And I know, one of the questions when I talk about this is people always say, well, do you ever get pushback from people who don't want to fill out the surveys? And I don't know what your experience is, but I never get pushback. People are always like, okay, no problem. And they just fill it out and they really answer all the questions. Do you ever get pushback on that? It's very rare. I mean, occasionally we'll, we'll have a couple things that are left blank that we make a note to cover in the, in the appointment. And then it's a little more difficult for them to dodge the question when you're sitting at their dining room table and you, if you, if you practice and become really good at uh, letting that uncomfortable silence hang in the room, uh, as you know, in any, in any conversation, in any negotiation, the person who speaks first, I hate to use the word loses, but 
when you ask that open-ended question on a survey, they may take the opportunity to leave it blank. But when you ask it in person and you just sit back and wait for their answer, they're going to come up with an answer. And nine times out of 10, they give you the information that you are looking for. Or they ask you why you are asking that question because they're just unclear. And once, one, one that we get um, quite, quite frequently is when we ask about um, remaining mortgage balance from a seller. That's the one that I would say, if anyone is a commonly unanswered question, it's that one. And some people just go and look it up and jot it down. And then sometimes in person, they say, well, why did you want to know that? And when we explain that we do a net sheet for not just when we do our market analysis and our recommended price range, but also with any offer that comes in, that just helps us to be able to see what their bottom line net will be. And then they they cough up the information almost immediately after that because they understand why you're asking for it. They don't just think you're being nosy, which, you know, if anyone has very severe privacy concerns... Um, where they're almost being private about the wrong things, right? They'll put anything about their family and their life on Facebook, but they won't tell you their remaining mortgage balance. <laughs> um, I want to shift back, though, to um, something we were talking about in the beginning about you, when you built your business. And I know, because I know you, and I've heard you um, speak and teach uh, frequently, that a lot of your uh, contacts and your database and your business initially came from and continues to come from, but you have this great, um, track record of seeking out the ability to do open houses for other agents so that you could be out working in the field, getting to know the market. And then of course, once your database started to fill up, you have become very well known for doing client events and taking really good care of the people who know and love and trust you, which is something that a lot of truly successful agents preach. So how has something like the current climate with COVID-19 presented a shock to your system as far as the ability to go out and be in front of people and to, to really have a high touch business with your clients? Absolutely. So that was one of the things I, you know, I learned in my past business that people want to do business with people that they like and people who care about them and take care of them. I don't care what business you're in. You know, I, this is my third business, my previous two, including the art one I both sold. Um, and that's been, that's been my life lesson learned. You know, when I was a little kid, my mom owned a bakery. I started answering the phone at four, you know, single working mom. I started, you know, literally that's how I learned how to do math was working the cash register. I was taking <laughs> orders at four and five on the phone uh, because I knew that if we didn't work, we didn't eat. And the lesson I learned as a child was the customer is always right and you treat them with respect and you go out of your way to have them have an amazing experience. And so that was really what I brought into my business was, you know, I, I do a lot of the techie stuff behind the scenes, but what's really most important is that relationship and getting belly to belly with people. You know, so as you said, I built my business on open houses because I didn't know anybody here. And so I developed relationships with other successful agents in my office and asked them if I could do their open houses for them. Um, and that's what I did. So now with coronavirus, like obviously we can't do client events, you know, we've canceled all of our mailings because nobody wants mail right now and, you know, no one's interested, right? Um, but what people crave more than anything right now is human connection and feeling like somebody cares about them. And so what I've been doing all week is picking up the phone and calling my clients or texting my clients, depending on their mode, their preferred mode of communication. And I know that because I asked that in our survey. And just reaching out to them and saying, how are you doing? 
You know, how is it going? What do you need? That's really been the big question I've been asking. What do you need? And I find most of the time they say, oh, everything's great. They don't need anything. But if you start to dig a little bit deeper, you find that that's not really the case. Um, the other thing I've been doing is stalking them online on Facebook and finding out what are they posting? How is it going? I have one client who's a new mom with two other kids at home and she's got a three month old. That's got to be really hard right now. So I sent her some gifts from Amazon to keep the other two, you know, the four and the five-year-old busy, you know, and that $75 that I spent, right. We all have to cut our, our costs right now and really watch our expenses, but I would rather spend $75 on that because I know that she will remember that forever, that kindness, and that will come back to me later. I have a client on Saturday who it's her birthday and she's a single woman. She's going to be stuck in her condo by herself and she's an extreme extrovert. So I know that's going to be really hard for her. So I'm having a cake made and dropped off for her on Saturday morning. So she has a cake. You know, I have another client who um, has a child with some medical issues and she's been having a really hard time finding toilet paper. And the more she goes out, the more she puts that child's life in danger. I have extra toilet paper. So I drop some off to her, right? So, you know, really start to keep your ear to the ground and look at your client's Facebook posts, check in with them, find out what it is that they need and just be a human being and try to help them take care of those needs. I think that's what people are going to remember afterwards where the people who, you know, I'm not asking for any business. I'm not, you know, trying to do it in a real estate way. It's because I care about them. And I think those are the memorable moments from this experience that people want to feel like they are loved and heard and taken care of. Sure. And we're hearing a lot, especially within the industry about being named essential, right? About did my city or, you know, my mayor or my county commissioner, have they named me essential? Has my governor said that real estate is essential? And honestly, there's the social responsibility piece, right? You and I talked a little before the recording about um, the differences between some of the shelter in place orders are pretty loosey goosey, I think is how you described Chicago. Um, and then some are very strict, like what we're seeing in New York City and California. Um, but regardless of how your city council or your county commissioner or your mayor or your governor view real estate or real estate agents, whether or not they think that we're essential, the most important thing is do your clients think you're essential and not just right now to be able to run your business and do an open house when maybe we should all just be staying home and flattening the curve, so to speak. But do your clients see you as essential? Because in your words, you're acting like a human and you're not being a salesy person. You're not asking them if they know anybody who wants to buy or sell a house right now. You're saying, what do you need right now? What is missing that you can't get for yourself or that it's, maybe dangerous for you to be trying to do for yourself or that you just, you just need maybe FaceTime with somebody who's not living in your house with you 24 seven. What do you need right now? And how can I help you with that? Absolutely. And I think that, you know, the essential thing, like we, you know, we in Illinois are deemed essential services. We can still do open houses, which is mind boggling to me. We still do showings. Um, we could still do walkthroughs, et cetera. You know, I decided for myself, those are not essential right now. Like, you know, I need to do my job to flatten the curve. And I think as a lot of times as role models, uh, realtors, we are role models, you know? And so I feel like it is my role to explain to people that that is not essential right now. 
what is essential is if somebody has to move, like I have a closing going on right now um, that I can't be at because we're not allowed to be at closings. And she has to move today because she has to be out of her apartment because somebody else is moving in tomorrow. That is essential. You know, so I have those, those clients that we need to get to closing because that is an essential shelter need. That is very different from my clients who don't need to move until October. That is not as essential right now. So we're putting all of those on the back burner and we're not doing showings. We're really focusing on how can we help our clients with their day to day. And I think, you know, that really depends too on your own bandwidth. I'm a mom, right? I'm trying to homeschool my kid and do work at the same time, clean my house because, you know, now I don't have a cleaning woman and I haven't cleaned a toilet in 20 years, (laughs) you know, so, you know, I don't have a ton of free time, right? Um, you know, so I see other realtors online doing, you know, um, virtual Zoom happy hours and things like that. And I think that's great. If you have the bandwidth to do that, do it. For me, I know that's not what my clients need. Most of my clients are in the same situation with me where they have kids. And right now they're just struggling to get through the day and get their work done, take care of their family, make sure they're safe. And so I'm really focusing on how do I help those people, my particular clients, you know, if I had elderly clients, I'd be running around buying groceries for them. You know, I just don't, you know, so I think you really need to look at your client base and figure out what is it that your particular clients need? Do they need virtual events, happy hours, book clubs, you know, things like that? Do they need activities to keep their kids busy? Like we're doing an Easter egg coloring page online and we're going to give out gift cards for the kids. You know, we're posting, um, you know, cool classes their kids can do online that are free, you know, so figure out what it is your database needs and deliver that to them because it's very different in each market and it's very different for each particular type of clientele. Absolutely. And I think, I think the important thing too, as you mentioned, reaching out to them and just asking, what do you need? What, and some of them will say, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And even if you do dig deeper, you may not come up with a different answer And I think this is a great time too. While we're talking about having some time on our hands, we talked about, you know, assessing your website or creating a website and and adding content to it. We talked about that post-closing plan, which is so crucial, but I think this is also a great time to organize your database. And I know that's something that you do really well. And I think as a way to kind of, um, to kind of start to wrap up the conversation, Talk a little bit about, you're very specific with the way that you organize your database, the way that you organize your past clients, and that's how you know who you should be reaching out to at this time or who should be your priority, so to speak. So talk a little bit about that because you are so good at that. Sure. So we organize our database basically in two ways. The first way is where they are in the home buying or selling process. So we have um, tags that we tag them with. So if they are like a buyer, a current buyer, they're out actively looking for showings, they get tagged as current buyer. If they are a prospective buyer where, you know, they're probably not going to buy for a year or two, they get tagged as that. If they are actively working with us doing showings, then they get tagged as buyer under uh, current buyer. If they are um, a buyer who's under contract, they get tagged as buyer under contract. And then once they close, they get tagged as closed buyer. We have the exact same thing on the sell side as well. So we are very specific with the content that we send out to them based on where they are in the transaction. So we did, when all of this started to go down uh, and the shelter in place order came out and things like that, we had a very specific email that went out to our current sellers on the market that was very different about what we're doing to protect you, how we're going to move deals forward, et cetera, versus, you know, our prospective buyers 
you know, those are people who don't need to buy for six months to a year, right? So we had a very different email that went out to them saying, you don't need to buy for six months to a year. So you don't need to do showings right now. Like for everybody's safety, we're not doing showings with you. You know, we will ask for virtual showings, things like that, right? But we had very targeted emails for each of those categories, depending on where they are in the transaction. Then we also have them categorized as A, B, and C clients. So our A clients are those clients who give us a ton of referral business. They just love us. You know, they're people who come to, I invite to my child's birthday party, et cetera. We've got our B clients. Those are the ones who like you, but you know, you're not hanging out on a regular basis with them. Right. And then you've got those C clients that are the ones who frankly just didn't really love working with and that's okay. And after the transaction ends, you're happy to part ways. Right. So that way then we can do like, we'll do VIP events where, you know, we, one of our most popular events is we rent out a hair salon in February before Valentine's day. And we invite all of our female clients to come and get their hair blown out for Valentine's day. And so we invite everybody in our database, but our A clients, we always ask them to bring a friend because we know they're a really good lead generation source for us. And so we invite them to bring somebody else to that event with them. So, you know, I think it's good to have your database broken up into those two different sections, because what I have found is we have an incredibly high open rate for our emails because our content is extremely targeted. So somebody's not going to get content who's a renter about home maintenance because they don't care about that, right? Um, or, you know, my, my seller who moved out of state may not care about that, right? So make sure you are sending the right content to the right people at the right point in the transaction. So in order to do that, you have to have a really targeted database. The other thing we do in our database is in that ready to buy and ready to sell survey, we ask them information about themselves. So what's their favorite Starbucks beverage? What's their favorite snack? What's their favorite music? And that goes into that database. So, you know, when I am out doing showings, obviously now, but in the past, and I pick a buyer up to do showings, I have their favorite Starbucks beverage in my car. I have their favorite snack. I have their favorite music playing on the radio. I have conversation topics that I can talk to them about because I know what sports teams they like and hobbies and things like that, right? So we try to make it a really personalized experience. And all of that comes from my database. So I can pull it up on my phone and look at that before I pick them up. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and it, it does take some organization, right? But again, we are faced with right now at least probably another month, depending on where, if you're listening to this, where you are located. And if you're listening to this at the beginning of April, probably about another month of similar conditions, right? I mean, obviously no one has a crystal ball, but, and, and you may have a lot of obligations at home. You might have the homeschooling piece and obviously you working from home, a spouse working from home, an elderly family member or, or other family member to care for. But in most cases, I think it's a safe assumption to make that we are being presented right now with, in, in your words, Shay, a little bit of a gift of some time that we didn't anticipate having in the spring market. And it's a different kind of time than we have when the market is just traditionally slower. It's a, it's a gift of time that no one anticipated and that should give us a little bit of leeway to put some of these things in place. And I think that that's a great way to look at it as an opportunity. And I think, you know, we also have to give ourselves some grace in this situation, right? Like, you know, if you have so much on your plate that you are buried and you are just struggling to get through the day, that's okay. Like you may not have time to implement these things and that is okay, right? Right now, this is about survival. Literally, this is about survival. So if you have time to do some of these extra things, that's gravy. If you don't, that is okay. Like, don't feel guilty. Just do what you can do to survive. And, 
you know, your business will be okay. Like we'll all be okay at the end of the day. Like, so I think that's the thing. Like if you have time, great. If you don't give yourself some grace. Absolutely. And I think too, it's, it's sort of the same mentality. Sort of, I say that, um, definitively that it's along the same lines as the same mentality as when you go to a conference and you come away with 87 great ideas and you want to implement all of them, but you really only have time for one or two or three. Same thing here. If your obligations are stressing you in a similar, to a similar degree, but in a very different way than maybe your normal stress when life is normal and you don't have time to do all these things, that's okay. But if you do find yourself with a little bit of time, even if it's, you know, 30 minutes a day where you say, I can commit 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, even just to think about these things, um, maybe that's a good break from what you're dealing with right now that is a stressor in your life. But again, I think grace is so important in this time because we all have stress in our lives and it's a very different kind of stress right now. It might be financial, it might be family related. Maybe you know someone who is affected by the coronavirus. So um, I love that point about giving ourselves and those around us a little bit of the benefit of some grace. Um, I have one last question, and this is something that we've been, um, I've made it uh, my goal to ask every guest on the podcast. And it's meant to be a little bit of a fun question uh, because we are real estate uh, related podcast for the Georgia Realtors. And everyone that comes on the podcast will have some relation to the real estate industry in some way, shape, or form, at least in the most basic way of we all need shelter. And uh, owning a home is the American dream. I want you to think about your dream home. If if money and location and obligations and work and life were not factors and it could be anywhere you want, it could be it could look any way that you want it to look, what does that dream home look like to you? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question. <laughs> oh wow. Um, what would my dream home look like to me? I think that, can I have two? Sure. Hey, it's your dream home. It can be dream homes. Perfect. Okay. So I would want one in like a snowy mountain area where we could go skiing with like big roaring fireplaces in every room. I am a wood burning fireplace girl. My husband hates it. I have tons of wood delivered to our house all the time and I'm making fires and s'mores like every night. And, um, so yes, so we would, you know, I would want that. Um, you know, with big windows, you know, I grew up in Alaska and so we had huge windows outside of our house where we could see moose and we could see, you know, all these snow covered trees and, you know, occasionally bears. Right. So I like that kind of environment. Um, but I think on the flip side too, I would love like a very open air house on the beach, you know, with, I don't really like the beach. So like a pool as well as the beach, <laughs> but I want to be able to see the beach. I don't like getting sand in every crack everywhere. Um, so, so yes. And then, a, you know, a really nice kitchen for my husband to cook and my family to come and visit. I mean, I think those are kind of like my two extremes, probably like everybody that I would like. What I probably would tell you is that my current house, which I bought six months ago, which I thought was sort of my dream house is 116 years old. And I do not know if I would do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Old houses have a lot of old house problems. And I knew that, but I feel like every day I look around and I'm like, Oh no, now it needs something else, you know? So I learned my lesson there. So they would both be new construction. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the way to get, you know, everything that you want, or at least the illusion of getting everything that you want, right? Is when you can build it for yourself and it has all those features. But I love that. I love that there's the snowy mountain um, 
big fireplace house. And then there's the, when it gets a little old and you just, you're sick of being cold, you can pop on down to the beach and um, enjoy that view as well. Well, thank you, Shay. I so appreciate your time and your wisdom and your very generous uh, desire to share with our members. And I wish you well. And I hope that, um, I know we're all going to get through this, but I hope that you get through it with as little stress and as much grace to yourself as possible. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Good luck, everybody. Hang in there. We will all be okay. Um, you know, I think the key to this is we all work together. We share with what's working, what's not working for all of us. We really are a team and a family. Um, so I'm happy to be here and share. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. To find out more about Shay and links to all of our episodes, please visit our show notes at garealcast.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to us. Apparently, it helps others to know we exist. Have a great one.